And now for the first time in 15 years, Donkey Hot Rod! two artists on the cutting edge of the new synth-based electronic pop music of the late 70s. But, in one of the most unfortunate incidents in the history of comebacks, their hotly anticipated new wave second wave ended, when the pioneering pop perfectionists were tragically killed in an incident that went spectacularly wrong. Rock Obituaries takes a look back at eclectic electro-experimenters Donkey Hot Rod, and how their artistic vision stayed with them to the bitter end, and in fact, may have been a contributing factor 
to their actual bitter end. It was early 2010, and the Donkey Hot Rod comeback trail was in full swing. Their new Best Of compilation album, The Best Of Donkey Hot Rod, was a major success, and the theme from their new Pop Detective TV show, Donkey Hot Rod, Pop Detectives, had gone to number three. In their last ever interview, lead singer and keyboard player Don Key explains. Yeah, it's been an amazing year for us. Ever since Rod was released from that Thai prison, it's been like the old team again. I think with the recent interest in the whole early electronic pop era, we've suddenly become cool again. And that's just fucking amazing, because we weren't cool for a while because of what Rod did. Donkey Hot Rod began in 1975, when Don Key, keyboardist and lead singer with Ten Mellotrons and a Moog, left to perform solo. Well, it was just fucking awful, really. I mean, what were we thinking? Eleven fucking keyboards. Sounded like shit. The stages had to be reinforced just so we could set up. Have you ever seen the size of those fucking things? Anyway, I went into the local pub for a fruit salad and there was this guy sitting in the corner. And I noticed... A a fruit salad? Yeah. uh, Anyway, he was balancing a glass on top of a great... What pub was this? Um, the, The Dog and Gristle, Camden. Anyway, he had the glass on two ashtrays, and he was trying Why to... Why was a mid-70s pub serving fruit salad? Well, I, I don't know. I, I always had one there. Look, the important thing was the man was making the most amazing sounds. He had a fork, and he I mean, kept chips, jabbing into... Maybe, perhaps the old packet of crisp Peanuts, I can understand. Why fruit salad? Uh, well, uh... Actually, Gary Newman used to go in there for a baked Alaska every Sunday. Bernard Sumner used to get all his avocados and plums there as well. Do do you want me to continue with the... uh, Sorry, sorry. uh, Tell me about the man with the glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he was making these incredible sounds, banging on the glasses and salad bowls. Was he a percussionist? No, I think he just liked hitting things. Anyway, he said his name was Rod, and he'd just come over from Germany to, quote, get away from a few things. And as he'd been banging away for so long, he said he was really hot. So I started calling him Hot Rod. (laughs) Then we decided to form a band and see what happened. Was it a novelty pub? Half salad bar, perhaps? No, just a regular pub. Hmm. So, with Don on lead vocals and keyboards, and Rod on hitting things and shouting a lot... Donkey Hot Rod started writing music that would forever change the pop landscape. Their first manager, Bingo Hauser, talks about their early material. They used to sleep on my floor. I didn't invite them to, but they were so stoned, I think they actually thought that they lived there. They kept calling me Alan. But as I had a music management company anyway, it was was a bit of luck, really. I did get a bit annoyed with all the cabling and sand oscillators in my bed, but I had faith in the boys. Mind you, some of the early stuff was a bit adventurous. Betrachten Sie die Racht, kleinen Gatscherblumen. Betrachten Sie Reizend und Bonbon Ihrer Hubscheid. Überrascht. Tell us about that piece, Rod. It was an early experimental piece. Uh huh. Oh, you want more? Uh, yeah. Well. 
It was made in 1976 and was called The Right Kleiner Gatschelblumen. Translated into English is The Pretty Little Daisies. One man who was saddened by the recent incident was Derek Derbish Dergeldong of Derek Derbish Dergeldong Records. I can't believe they're gone. We had an amazing relationship for over 30 years. I can honestly say they were the biggest artists on Derek Derbish Dergeldong Records. And how many artists are on Derek Derbish Dergeldong Records? They were the biggest artists on Derek Derbish Dergeldong Records. Their first single was released to great acclaim on Valentine's Day 1978 with I'm in love with a cyborg. Unfortunately, the title of the follow-up single, I Wish This Song Was Over, reflected the view of the general public, peaking at number 64. I wish this song was over. I wish this song would end. This song is not my lover. This song is not my friend. I wish this song would finish I wish this song would stop This song we must diminish This song is for the chop Yeah, we released the album of anti-pop It was called Awful Dismal Music Every song was anti-music. It was the great artistic statement of the era. It was the statement on how music should not be listened to. The only problem is nobody listened to the album. Abysmal. Awful. Awful dismal music by Donkey Hot Rod. Never buy it. Never listen to it. Now. But of course, the song that put them on the map was the title track from the 1979 concept album Future Earth 2010 AD. In 79 
Future Earth 2010 AD painted a picture of a utopian society, a future Don Quixote Rod firmly believed in. And it was this belief that would ultimately shape events in their actual, real future. A future that was to contain the incident. I can Hot Rod, 1995. It was a good song, yeah? You buy it. I did buy it way back in 1979 when I was a teenager. Buy another copy now. Okay. Now the song reflected what was going on in England at that time. Tell me about that year. It was 1979. And what do you remember about it? There were rats rioting in the sewers. What about the socio-political climate? There were no rats in my house and I bought a new coffee table. It isn't just chart success that Donkey Hot Rod will be remembered for. Don Key was the pioneer who came up with the idea of 120 beats per minute as the industry standard tempo for dance music. Here he is, talking to Howie Basenstein in 1987. Well, I was just noodling about and I thought, this seemed like a good speed. And what was that? That was 121 beats per minute. I thought it had good forward momentum and said, come on, let's dance to this. But uh, Rod said people will be flapping their arms around like idiots. So I did a shitload of experimentation and came up with this. And this is? 119 beats per minute. Yeah, I know, it's just not quite right. To me, it says, man, this disco's dead. Let's go to a fucking funeral. I I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So I I racked my brains and I thought long and hard and then it, it, it just came to me. This is 120 beats per minute. Not only does it say, hey, let's boogie down and definitely not go to any funerals, it also says, hey, my arms just hang about right and not flat fucking idiotically knocking into people on the dance floor. And I suppose 120 is a nice round figure, obviously. Yeah, I thought that. It was just fucking obvious. Obvious. The duo heralded the 80s with their biggest hit to date. It's the 80s was released Christmas 1980 and went to number one in January 1981. From the album 1980 Fun, it celebrated the new decade for a new generation. In 1980, 1980, 1981, we'll have 1980s, 1980s, 1980s fun. Then in 1980, 1980, 1982, we'll do the things that the 1980s, 80s people do. Because it's The 80s were good for us. 
I liked hanging around the Noel Edmonds multicolored swap shop dressing rooms. Uh, and it must have been good to appear on the show. Who said we were on it? Of course, they became regulars on TV with appearances on Top of the Pops, Blind Date, and Antiques Roadshow. And here we have Don Key from Donkey Hot Rod fame. <laughs> so, what have you brought along today? Well, uh, this is a capacitor. It was used in Brian Eno's first synthesizer. Oh, yeah. Martin Ware from the Human League had it installed on his Roland for a while, oh, and uh, I bought it off him. I see. So, what's it worth? Nothing. And not to be left out of things was Hot Rod, who appeared in an episode of Grange Hill. Tucker, what do you think of Mr. Rodderhouse and the new pop music teacher? I'd rather not talk about him. By the way, it's healing up nicely. Look out, here he is. Hello, class. You're homework for shit! Ah! 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 Spelling error, sir! In the early 90s, after just over a decade of chart success, the duo briefly switched record labels to EMI, but became aware they were drifting away from their experimental electro-pop roots, and indeed became slightly concerned that they may be viewed as having sold out, when Love is an Intel 486 hit the lower end of the charts in 1991. I'm not going to meet my baby Yeah, yeah, baby, you're my 486. Four whole bags of love and you. No solution I can no fix. Solution. I can hold it with my double clicks. No solution. But what were they really like as people? Donkey Hot Rod have always been a great enigma. But pop obituaries can reveal an exclusive interview with Zuni Thompson, their road manager closest friend, and if anything, the third member of the group. Zuni, what were they like? Strange. Really strange. One time we was in a calf. We got some toast. And Rod put butter on both sides. And then what did he do? He ate it. I see. Early April 1995, 15 years to the incident. Donkey Hot Rod embarked on their last world tour. Another close friend was their regular roadie, the Stoat. Goodness gracious me, life on the road definitely wasn't all plums and bananas. This is a recording I made on my cassette Walkman on the tour bus. Yeah, I am rock and roll. Yeah, but if you're so rock and roll, why are you so fucking 80s? Oh, the 80s was the most unrock and roll decade ever. The 80s rocked. Frankie goes to Hollywood rocks. Duran Duran rocked. A flock of seagulls rocked. In the 80s, we was living on the edge. I tell you one thing, if it hadn't been for the 80s, there would have been no 90s. 
Did you say a flock of seagulls rock? Oh, did they wash their hair too often for you? Well, if you're going to put forward a pro-80s argument, you've got to come up with something better than a flock of fucking seagulls. Let's face it, they weren't exactly Led Zeppelin, were they? Oh, there you go, Mr. Seventies. If this power cut ever ends, I'll see you in the dark side of the moon. Man! Oh, go get a mullet and give fuck all to Live Aid. Go masturbate over the test card, girl. Despite being a heavy influence on the Pet Shop Boys, Gary Newman, the Human League and, surprisingly, Barbara Streisand, Donkey Hot Rod faded from view in 1995 to pursue other interests. Well, I suppose it was inevitable after spending so long cooped up in a studio. Literally cooped up. We used to record in a converted chicken coop. It was fucking cramped. And what prompted Rod to... Uh... Do the thing he did. Mm. Well, you'd have to ask Big Dave. But I wouldn't if I were you. Seriously, don't. You'll end up dead and completely shaven. But despite the enforced absence from the rock world, the fans' dogged determination and enduring public fascination with The Thing Rod Did meant that 15 years and an early parole later, the time was right for the rebirth of Donkey Hot Rod. Don, how does it feel? Well, we've got a whole new career now. Donkey Hot Rod music is popular again. Rod's problems are all in the past, and this new TV pop crime show sounds great. Rod, do you have any comments? Buy our music now. Sadly, that was the last ever interview recorded by Donkey Hot Rod. Soon after this interview, the boys apparently went to a studio in Streatham, locked themselves away with massive amounts of cake, and hatched a plan to return to their experimental roots. Their friend Vernon Muller explains. Well, I don't know exactly what happened in that studio to change them. Maybe it was the staggering amounts of cake they consumed. Chocolate cake? I think there was some chocolate cake, yeah. A Victoria sponge and quite a lot of black forest. I like black forest. Yeah, it's nice. Anyway, something happened and they decided the world had not become the perfect utopia of the future Earth 2010 song and something had to be done about it. Mm. You see, at heart... They were artists, and it must have seemed to them that they betrayed what they stood for with all the commercial stuff. So, was there Battenberg? Uh, yeah, plenty. I love Battenberg. Of course, this was all leading up to the incident. Their manager, Bingo Hauser. Well... From what I gather, it was all supposed to be a lot huger than it was. I mean, they never told me about it because, well, I'd try and stop them. Which I would have, if I could. Which, which I don't think I would have, probably. They could be quite adamant at times. Microbes floating in the air Microbes crawling through your hair I try to cover up my sneezy nose to stop the bird being fit with bad microbes. I can't get my hanky out on time. I'm scared I might have just wiped out mankind with microbes. Get 
little psychos More disturbing than a letter full of typos Their song Microbes, coming straight in at number one, was the final straw and the Donkey Hot Rod plan was put into effect. So, bingo, tell us what happened. Well, Alan, it was supposed to be the most amazing live suicide protest concert of all time, broadcast live on the internet to every home in the world simultaneously. The year 2010 had not lived up to their idealist expectations, and so, at the climax to the concert, directly after Future Earth 2010 AD, they would explode themselves to death and trigger a computer program that would send a virtual flower to every home in the world. Ghastly and pleasant at the same time. Exactly. So, what went wrong? Well, instead of transmitting their webcast live over the internet, apparently Don hit the wrong button and defragged his hard drive by mistake. They didn't know, of course, and went on with the concert. And blew themselves up in the process. Yeah, that's right. It was in Streatham, of course, so no one took any notice for three months. <sighs> and what about the hard drive? It was impeccable, Alan. So, instead of the proverbial blaze of glory, Donkey Hot Rod ended in a drawn-out murmuring of confusion and speculation. What exactly did happen in that Streatham studio to so change Don and Rod? Why was Rod let out early in the first place? And just why was a mid-70s London pub serving fruit salads? Is he asking me? Ellen? So, in honour of the electro-pop wizardry of Donkey Hot Rod, we leave you with their vision of the perfect world, which only their audience, i.e. the world, couldn't conceive and which will sadly never come to pass, due to the tragic passing of Don Key and Hot Rod. Future Earth, 2010 AD.
the heart of the Middle East But will this cold war ever cease in 2080? Will we spend our lives in Transport shall be free in 2010 AD We all watch films on Betamax No delays on the railway tracks There's no more stress, let's all relax In 2010 AD But for now I'm here in 79 Wishing I could have a wonderful time the sun will never fail to shine in 2010-80. This has been a Rock Obituaries production in conjunction with No Cause for Alarma, written by Andrew Irvine, Nick Von Schlipper, Philip Lehman and Gareth Davis. Music written and produced by Andrew Irvine. Brought to you by... The Wireless Theatre Company. Buy our music now!